Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, and Eric is walking us through the comma method today. Eric, what passage are we looking at? We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 2 today. Uh, no fun banter, nothing to promote today because we're just tired of each other's company. Aww. And so That's we're just going well, we to jump into wow. the... <laughs> Jump into the text, I guess. So, uh, see in the comma method context. If you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man a fish, he eats for life, right? So, how to discover context for yourself. Here is a good rule of thumb. And I'm, I'm sharing this because we're in chapter two, which is close enough to the beginning of this book of the Bible to remind you of something that's very important. When starting a new book of the Bible, don't start at chapter one, verse one. Always, 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 always read the introduction to that book in a good study Bible. This is why we're always saying it's very important to have a good study Bible because there are tools in that Bible that will help you understand, enjoy, and apply God's word. Uh, If you do not happen to have a physical copy of a good study Bible, you can go to biblesavvy.com and we have the NIV study Bible introductions for every book of the Bible posted on that website. So just a reminder here. So I'm not going to give you a lot of context today, except for one, one distinction here, because we're about to read a text about prophets. So just a reminder, you had kings and you had prophets. The kings were the rulers, the leaders. The prophets were essentially, think of them as the mouthpiece for God. Their job was to speak on behalf of God, to remind the people or to remind the kings about what God has said, what he is saying to remind them of the covenant that God had established with them. And so when you think prophet, don't always think future predictor, think the the person that is speaking on behalf of God into a current context. So uh, just to share that again today, now we're going to be looking at Elijah and Elisha. And so Clayton is going to read 2 Kings chapter 2 going through verse 18. All right, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. There are two names in here that will sound very similar <laughs> the more I say them. So Elijah and Elisha. Can you go with like the hard J? Like, the, can you give us an Elijah? Elijah. Elijah. So I'll, we'll see what we'll see what I get. Elisha. Um, all right, we'll just see how it comes out. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha. Stay. They oh, can see it. Always they, never, they're just gonna. They're just gonna just smush together. Say the names a little slower. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna see. So we're gonna see how this goes. Can we say J and Sh? J. J. J and Sh. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Elijah said to Elisha, "Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel." But Elisha said, "As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you." So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. 
And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and taking and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said. We, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days, but did not find him. When they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? All right, so we move on to the O and the comma method, which is observation. So what do we see in this text today? Well, there's a lot of repeating phrases for sure. Um, you know, um, stay here, different towns are mentioned. Uh, did, yeah, the, the sequence is just repeated over and over again. I think it's interesting where it's like, Elisha's like, yeah, I know. Be quiet. <laughs> like, st- stop telling. Like, I already know. Like, stop telling me. Like, <laughs> I'm just, why? I'm wondering why he responded that way. It was almost as if he was like, w- was he, did he not want to talk about it because it, like, was bothering him? Obviously, he was very close to Elijah. So, juh. So, like, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe it just, it was like hurtful that he was going to be left, or, and maybe it was like this, well, yeah, I already know this. Like, of course, I know he's going to be taken away. So why do you keep repeating this to me, people? Like, leave me alone. Like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out, like, what was his emotion? What was his attitude behind all that? You ever you ever go through something that was like a big, huge life deal and it is hard or whatever, and everybody around you cares about you, like asks you about it? Because, of course, it's like the main thing in your life because they're not going to make small talk because they know this is overwhelming and they care about you. So they can't not say something. And they're curious about it, you know? And so like, I, you know, I find myself doing this sometimes when someone goes through something, I'm like, I'm probably the thousandth person that has, have asked them about this, but what am I going to do? Ignore it. So it's like that weird tension of like, I don't really want to talk about this anymore, but also it's kind of the thing that's happening right now. And I I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Is it like, is it like they're asking him like, are you okay? Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's reminding me of my wife with our kids moving out. So we've had, 
two of our kids move out, I think in the last year and a half or so. Uh, the fact that I don't know the definitive timetable <laughs> tells you how emotionally attached or bothered I am by my kids moving out. Uh, but my wife has struggled more emotionally with our kids moving out. And so like when my daughter was going to school or Michael was getting ready to move, if someone said, hey, Michael's moving out in seven days, my wife's response would be, all right, don't talk to me about it. Shut up. Yeah. Because right? <laughs> yeah. she loves her son yeah. and she doesn't want him to leave. Right. I yeah. think that's a lot of what's going on here, uh-huh. yeah. right? That makes sense. Elisha loves Elijah mm-hmm. and doesn't want him to leave. So stop talking about it. Yeah. And here we are talking about it. Real nice, yeah. Nikki. Yeah, way sorry. to go. Way to Elisha sorry, asked Elisha. you to stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What else do we see? Um, I, I see, again, in the repetition, one of the things that's repeated is, I will not leave you. So uh, Elisha is saying, this is, this is my master. Like, he's the guy who trained me. He's my mentor. And, and so I, even, even though Elijah's saying like, I'm just, I'm going to go visit these, basically I'm going to go, I'm making my rounds to say goodbye to all these people. You don't have to come with me. Elisha's like, no, I want to, I want to be as close to you as I can for as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something in that attitude that in spite of what Elijah's saying feels very commendable. Like this is the right attitude for Elisha to say, I want, I want to be near um, my, my, my mentor, my master here. Uh, my observation is twofold, actually two connections to other stories in the Bible. One is the water parting reminds me of Moses mm-hmm. and Elijah being taken up without dying reminds me of the ascension of Jesus when he's talking to the disciples and they obviously don't want him to go just like Elisha doesn't want Elijah to go uh, and Jesus ascends to heaven. Yeah, a, a, couple, a couple of other connections with that because I was thinking about that. Uh, with, with the parting of the water, I thought of Moses, but then I also realized, I also thought of Joshua because they're in the Jordan River where, where that, that happened. And I realized, oh, Moses parting the Red Sea and then Joshua parting the Jordan River is, is actually like a handing the, like, the baton, right? So like mm-hmm. Moses did this very definitive miracle. And then when Joshua took over after Moses was gone, like the, one of the, the early things that happened, like a sign that God was with him the same way that he was with Moses was he, they, he led the people across another body of water like that. And so this is like that same pattern of like the, the one leader and then the next leader. And then even with the Jesus ascending thing, like Jesus ascends and then what happens? We get a spirit, like it's immediate. Like that's, that's the next thing in the sequence. So there's like that, that same pattern there. So Great connections. Ooh, the ascension and the coming of the spirit and oh, Elijah yeah. ascending and Elisha getting his spirit. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I didn't make that connection. It's Man. Good connections. What else do we see? I thought it was interesting that Elijah asked Elisha, like, what, like tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Hmm. And, um, you know, Elisha's like, I want a double portion of your spirit, <laughs> you know, and... I, I was looking in the NIV, NIV study notes to kind of, I was like, what does he mean by that, right? And it says that Elisha was not expressing a desire to have a ministry twice as great as Elijah, but was using terms derived from inheritance law to express his desire to carry out Elijah's ministry. Inheritance law assigned a double portion of a father's possessions to the firstborn son. So then I thought to myself, well, was Elisha Elijah's son? Like, why are they kind of connecting the firstborn son to that? But it could be a spiritual father. Like, he's obviously he's taking over where he's leaving off. So, yeah. it's, it's, I just thought that was interesting. But connected to that, he says, you have asked a difficult thing. Um, 
and it says, if you see me being taken up, it sure is. Otherwise, it it's not. And another the study note other the other study note said that Elijah left that request in God's hands. Um, and I thought to myself, like, it's a very interesting uh, interaction there. Like, tell me what I can do for you. And obviously, I think Elijah saying, I can't do that for you. Like, God has to be the one to do it for you. If He wants you to take over for me. If he wants you to take possession of my spirit or receive something like the spirit, then he will do it. I can't. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much there. The, 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 the like leaving it in God's hands. Mm-hmm. How, how many times do people try to say, here's how, here's how things are going to go after me. And they say, this is how it's got to work. And sometimes it's like this, the, like I've got to be able to trust that God's going to do with the next person. Like I, I've, I have left positions very interestingly enough uh, where I was, I was in a role and someone else, maybe maybe someone named Nikki, took over the role. Maybe. And and you have to say, look, wh- like whatever God's going to do through you is what He's going to do through you. Like I can't I can't set that up. You know what I mean? But all, all sorts of those things. But then even the the the, f- the spiritual father thing. Mm-hmm. I remember like you, you uh, remember a few chapters back. Uh, Elisha is called. Like God says to Elijah, "Here's a guy you need to call him to like be a new prophet." And when he's called, Elisha's like he's in the middle of plowing a field. And he's like, can I go back and like say goodbye to my dad? Like there's a sense that he is leaving his family. It's like, like you think of the disciples getting called from like the you know family business of fishing or whatever. Like it's a, it's a, like a calling that says you're kind of uprooting from the stability of your family and the inheritance you would have gotten. So for him to say to Elijah, like I, I give up everything to follow the call of God that you put on my life. And now I want to know, like, will I, will I have, Will you leave me anything? Mm. You know, that's 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 powerful stuff. I found it a little bit funny that they want to go look for Elijah. Yeah, they're like, maybe, maybe, maybe the Lord put him in a valley or brought him to the general store. We don't know. Maybe he's not gone. Hey, right, you can go look for him if you want. First uh, Kings, yeah. chapter eighteen. Interestingly enough, this is not the first time this has been suggested. Right. And so this is uh, Obadiah and Elijah. And let's see, it's verse 12. Let's see here. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, well, okay. Another connection. You, you guys heard the story in Acts, like with Philip, um, where he's like, he gets teleported by the yeah. spirit to go talk to some guy on the road. Yeah. And like, that that feels super random until you you read the Elijah stories and you realize oh the same sorts of things that were happening with Elijah and Elisha and these guys like that spirit that like did all those miracles through them that's the one that showed up on all the apostles and the disciples in Acts like that all these miracles of he, they end up healing people and raising the dead and all this stuff like that's and even teleporting <laughs> you know what I mean that's the thing that's happening with the the, the early church there so it's so now I'm wishing that when we read the New Testament and we see all the gifts of the spirit like when the spirit empowers us to accomplish the purposes of God and there's all these things listed I wish teleportation was in there <laughs> seriously I'm, we can add it to the, the spiritual gifts test we give do you, people do you know how do you know how <laughs> much all right so just I'm, I'm the you executive blank pastor out, find yourself in some well, random place <laughs> I'm the executive pastor, so I think about budget type things. And I'm just thinking right now how much staff time would be saved in commuting and how much <laughs> how much mileage reimbursement between campuses could be saved if we could teleport. 
I think that should be a, a spiritual gift that is in, is is uh, given to pastors of multi-site churches. Is that movie Jumper? Have you ever oh seen that movie yeah, Jumper? Yeah, a like, long time ago. I'm like, I want to be able to just jump and like be, end up on the top of a pyramid. Like that would be amazing. Okay, we're joking about it because it's pretty weird. If, but it if, you, if you guys were talking to somebody that didn't believe, hadn't mm. come to a place in their life where they're where they believe that the Bible is in fact like God's revelation of Himself to humanity, like they're not they're not buying that you should base your life on this book and that this is the truth. And they tell you, "All right, you're going to believe a book that has stuff in it like teleportation." What what would you say to somebody? <laughs> this, this podcast is going in an interesting direction yeah. today, but that's a that's a hard one, isn't it? It is. I you know I think I I think I'd, I'd start with two two different things. There maybe one would be to say to find out if the person believes in God at all, right? Like if you if you start with the idea that there's a God who can do anything, like all of a sudden, like intellectual honesty says maybe sometimes some some unexpected things happen. Like it takes some time to get there, right? Like you'd have a conversation about that, but like, you'd have to say, what do you mean that you actually believe there's a God? Like, what do you think that God could do? You know, if he wanted to. So it, is it completely ruled out? Like you'd talk down those lines, but then there's also just specifically like, you you don't have to buy anything in the Bible until you answer the big question about the the like really big miracle, like the dead guy who's alive. Like if that, if you don't, if you don't decide what you think about an empty tomb, at like the rest of the questions, it doesn't really matter. Cause like, but once you get that, then all the rest of the questions you say, it's, it's a stretch. It's weird. I'm not sure. Uh, like it, it's not easy for me to buy that. But if you get the, if you get the first one, the other ones start to say, well, I guess, you know, if he, if he could raise someone from the dead, then, then this could happen. So I, I wouldn't start with, is it plausible that someone could be teleported by the, the spirit of God someplace? I would start with, do you think there's a God? Do you yeah. think that Jesus was who he says he was? You know, let's start there. I would agree with that. <laughs> he said it really well. <laughs> I agree with that. I'll think about right now. We live near a place called Fermi lab. Oh dude. And there are some, uh, some of the smartest people on the planet work at Fermi lab. Uh, and there's also a laboratory in Germany that just recently, I think in the last few years started slamming together subatomic particles again. Right? Yeah. Some of the stuff they, they would do at Fermilab uh, to explore dark matter. I mean, these are, these are heady things. And whenever I start reading articles about this kind of stuff, it just reminds me that we live in a world where no matter how much scientific exploration there is, for which I am grateful for all of it, for stuff they do at Fermilab, I personally have concluded that we live in a created world by God and it is a joy to explore it and try to figure it all out, which is what science does. But there are still so many things that we can't explain, mm -hmm. including how the heck it all got here, right? All the theories about Big Bang or like all, all the things we all know about, talked about how, how we got here. But at the end of the day, we can't fully explain it. And so you have to come up with a reasonable, that you can't prove most things, but you can come up with reasonable conclusions. And so that's where I normally go with people like, I think we live in a universe where there's enough weird things that we can't explain that there is nothing I ever see in the Bible that offends my sensibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when, when you hear the Fermi people talk about like, well, light is a wave and a particle. And you're like, well, it's, it's, at some point you're like, how does this even make sense? And like, no, it, there's reasons to believe it. And so I, th I feel like if God knows also, like 
he's much bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna we're gonna stumble into some things that that don't fit in our brain. Wow, we went down a path there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> All right. Bring us back. Okay, we're back. Let's move on to the first M in the comma method, which is either message or meditation. Let's go with message today first. What kind of message can you draw from a text like this? Um, Mine is kind of jumping off that observation that I made um, that, like, God chooses, like it's, it's in God's hands. Like he chooses to call certain people. So my message is that God calls his people to do his work and it's not of our own doing. Um, I kept thinking about how uh, Elisha stayed close to Elijah. Like he wanted to be with him to the very end, you know, to like every moment, right up to the the moment God took him. Um, And, and at the same time, he's also saying, I, in some sense, he wanted to, uh, Elijah to stay with him in some way, or, or at least the power that Elijah had to stay with him. So he's saying, I want to be close to you and I want, I want your, the, the spirit that was on you. And so uh, I, I feel like the parallels between, um, you know, them and Jesus and us uh, just are so too, too obvious to ignore. So I feel like the message is stay close to the master and rely on his spirit. I have a really heavy one. And a borderline silly one. Which which one would you guys like to go for today? Oh, don't 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 rob us of either. I mean, you can share both. Come on, pick one. Silly or heavy, Nikki? No, oh, I don't want to. Okay. Well, you you pick one. I'll pick the other one. Okay. There we go. Okay. I'll pick the silly one. Serious, it is. Okay. The heavy one is. You have a certain numbers of day, a certain number of days on this planet, hmm. ordained by God, and not one day more, and not one day less. That's my heavy one. Mm-hmm. My silly one is if people want to go on little adventures that you think are not going to accomplish anything, as long as it's not hurtful or sinful or just tell them to rock on with the bad self. Like, <laughs> yeah. about those guys at the end who are yeah. like, yeah, go, go ahead. Go look for them, right? <laughs> Listen, parents, if your kids want to go outside in the cold without their jacket, don't fight them. Just let them go. <laughs> Nobody's going to die. Come back with pneumonia. It's no, they're not going to get pneumonia. They're just going to be cold. And then you know what they're going to do? They're going to come in and put on their jacket without an argument. And, so. and you're going to say, didn't I tell you not to go? So. Yeah. <laughs> just, just what didn't he I says. And then you can say, I told you so. so I, it's, it's the this, biblical I told you so. This is, this is parenting tips in the Bible Savvy podcast. <laughs> it's called, it. by the way, I, it's called reality parenting, by the way. There is actually a philosophy of parenting called reality parenting, which is reality is the best teacher. Stop arguing with your kids. Just let them make their choices. If it's not going to hurt them, just let them make the choices and reality will teach them. So <laughs> there you go. A little, a little parenting philosophy thrown in there. All right. So we move on to the second M in the comma method, which is meditation, which is prayerful thinking. And so f- we give 45 seconds in the podcast. And so here's today's meditation, focusing in on Clayton's message, staying close to the master and relying on his spirit. Here's a question for us to ponder today. Can you actually accomplish the things have God has called you to without his spirit? 45 seconds.
And now we move on to the A in the comma method, which is application. We want to apply God's word to our lives. And so application, what are we going to do with this today? Uh, my application would be, it, it's along the lines of, of thankfulness um, and this confidence that I can have only through uh, God and his spirit um, to equip and in a sense to protect uh, me as I live for him and I serve him faithfully. Like it's only because of him um, that I can do those things with any kind of confidence. I I don't I don't have a really complicated or profound one. I, I think it's it's just more prayer. I mean the if I'm gonna stay close to him, if I'm gonna rely on his spirit, you know, I, I was struck by the verse eleven where it says they were walking along and talking together. Um and then and then the the crazy thing happened, you know, like I I won't be walking along talking to Jesus. Uh, I'm going to apply my silly message about letting people go ahead and look for Elijah if they want to, uh, both in my pastoral leadership, in in the way that I, uh, with the people that technically report to me or things that I'm overseeing, like to trust people, to allow them to make decisions, to explore things, to do things a certain way, even if it's not the way I would do it. This is kind of like more in the management world, not the parenting world. Say, listen, if it's not mission critical, if no one's going to get hurt, go ahead, go ahead and try it. And then with my kids, you know, just a more uh, just to remind myself, I've become more chill as a parent as my kids have gotten older, but I still have an 11-year-old in the house. So just to remind myself with the 11-year-old now to just be be more chill and and let her explore things and figure things out. And it's a fun way to manage and it's a fun way to parent. Good stuff. All right, well, friends, that's all we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.